Men in past couple weeks, we're going to continue there. Um, James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 is where the scripture is going to be uh, this morning. So go ahead and be turned there if you want to. We'll also have it up here on the screen. Um, but we're going to talk about a, a faithful future this morning, man. So we're faithful future. So James continues in the book of, uh, in the fourth chapter here, as he talked about before, you know, getting rid of the things, the selfish desires that we have that cause problems, that cause issues, and, and just humbling ourselves before Christ, before God, and putting him first. And he continues here a few verses later um, to elaborate some on this idea of, of what he continues into as a faithful future, talking about our future. Amen. So, so James chapter 4, verses 13 through 7, is the scripture we'll be reading today. And it goes like this. It says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Amen. So this is James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Man, so I want to start by talking about your future. And man, I bring up that, that phrase, your future, the future, and it carries a lot of weight, a lot of significance, right? And when I say that, if I ask you to think about what you think of your future, what is your future, we might have a lot of different things that might come to mind. Some of us may go and, and think about what we're going to do later today, right? Some of us may be going to El Race later. Some of us may have family that we're going to visit. So we think of the future of today. Others may think of things that they have planned on doing this week, right? They have to go to doctor's appointments or they have to, to do this with the kids, whatnot. Things that they have planned for this week. Others think of stuff that's going on, you know, maybe later on. Maybe you got a vacation coming up in, in summertime. You, you think about that. Maybe you think about some big change that's coming up. Maybe, you know, you're gonna have, about to have a baby or maybe something you're about to get married or whatnot. It comes to, to your mind. You're about to go to a different grade in school or go to a different school or whatever it may be. And then others, we have a long term. We think long term. We think maybe one day I'd like to get married, you know, when I'm older, or I'd like to have kids. Uh, we think that we plan on working in a certain place, or doing a certain thing, or having a certain style of life that we live in the long term, right? And we think about our future, man. I, I think any of us would admit that that there's multiple times within the week that we begin to think about the future. We might not call it the future. We'll say, well, that's just tomorrow. That might be, you know, a couple weeks down the road or whatnot. That's all, but that's the future. It's not right now, it's not in the present, it's the future. So we catch ourselves, no doubt, thinking and letting our mind drift into the future. And we think about the future in a lot of different ways. Some of us look at the future with hope, with aspiration, with excitement, with thrill, because something new, something exciting is happening. We're going to do something great, right? And then others, we might look at the future with despair, with sadness. It might not seem like there's hope in the future. It might seem like the hope or the future is, is, is desolate. Um, it might seem that it's just not some place that we look forward to, right? We think differently about the future. But I think what James is talking about here, so you look at the Scripture, and we'll continue to, to elaborate on it some here. I, I want us to think how many times when we're thinking of our future, when we're making plans, when we're letting our mind drift to tomorrow, or next week, or next year, or later on during a different stage of our life, how often does God show up in those, those plans? How often does a relationship with Him 
have something that we plan for, something that we think about, something that we look to. How often do we think when we start drifting and, and thinking about our future, is, is God there? How often is He something that's important when we think of our future, when we think of what comes next, of what happens in the next season of our life? Is God there? Do we have plans on Him and make plans for Him in some area of our life at different times? And I think that's what James is is referring to is these people, they start talking about what we're going to do and when we're going to do it and how we're going to do it and what's going to happen and the result of what we're going to do. They have all these plans and they say, hey, listen guys, where's Jesus? He says, you've got all your plans. But where's Jesus? Where, where he, where's He at in this? He says, you've got your ideas and what you think and what's going to go on and what not, but you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't be going on about what you want and what you think is going to happen. You should incorporate and bring Jesus into this, if it be His will, yeah. let me do what He has you, for me. Let me follow His will in my life. He said, don't get caught up in what you think you're going to do. He says, where, where's Jesus? Is He in, in your plans? And we might ask ourselves, and we, we look at our lives today, right? And, and we talk, and a lot of times I'll catch myself saying the same kind of things, and we go through our lives, and we're like, I just don't have room for Jesus. I'm too busy. I'm too too caught up in everything else. And we kind of referenced that with the calendar last week, but I'm too caught up with everything else. We wonder why we don't have room for Jesus because last week or last month or last year when we're thinking of the future, which is what this would have been then, we didn't have Jesus part of those plans then. So there's not going to be plan, room for Him now when we didn't plan to have room for Him back then. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't get caught. He's like, I don't see Jesus anywhere in your plans, fellow. Nothing wrong with going and having goals and aspirations, but I said, he said, I don't see Jesus anywhere in your plans. If you, in school, a lot of times, you know, they'll have you write out where you want to be in five years, or they may ask you, you know, what do you want to do when you graduate? And, you know, especially seniors, it's like, what's your plans? What's your goals? What's your aspirations? Where are you going? Where are you headed? And they may look and they might write down, we focus on a lot of different things. We focus on our career. We focus on our relationships. We focus on the direction our lives are going to go. We're going to focus on our possessions, what we have, what we don't have, how well off we're doing. But where's Jesus? You may be in the middle, you know, your mid-ages, right? You may be going through mid-life crisis and you're having all these new plans. You're going to buy a new fancy car and you're doing all these new things and you're going to have a career change and you're going to do this stuff, but where's Jesus? Where's Jesus in your plans? If each and every one of us wrote out our, our five-year, ten-year, fifteen, or twenty-year plan, how often would the name of God even be mentioned? How often would He come up? For the younger ones as they get going into an adulthood, right, in the next couple of years, where's Jesus as part of that? For those that are going into marriage or those that are going into a career, where's, where's Jesus involved in that? We look, we plan, and we think ahead, and we think we've got everything figured out, but where's, where are we incorporating Jesus? Where's He as part of our, our plans? And that's what James is, is talking about. He continues. He continues. What, what's the attribute that he talks about when he says, you know, this is what's going on, this is what's wrong, and he talks about their present arrogance. Let's read right here. So going down here, he says, he says, we should ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do th- or do that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now you boast in your arrogance. Thinking too highly of ourselves. 
I want us to think through Scripture. Think of sometimes the arrogance showed up, right? Satan thought he was better than God. What is that? That's arrogance. And because of that, he was thrown from heaven with his portion of the angels. And now we know the Bible says that still today he is roaming to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Arrogance didn't lead to something very good then, right? In the Garden of Eden, when um, Adam and Eve, they go and talk to the serpent. And he begins to what? Compel on their pride. Surely you will not die. You'll be as what? You'll be as God. Arrogance. Thinking, oh, we can be just as good as as God. Where did that lead? It led to the separation between man and the divine. It led to sin. It led to death. It led to destruction. Arrogance didn't lead anywhere good. We go on. Cain and Abel. Why did Cain kill Abel? He thought his sacrifice was good. When somebody said, hey, it wasn't good, he got upset. What did he do? He killed his brother. Arrogance played a hand. In the first time, man took the life of another man. That's just the first couple of chapters of the Bible. We didn't even get to the second book. Yeah. Right? That's not even in the double digits of chapters. In three instances that arrogance and pride proved destructive to the plan of God. Man. And James is saying, listen, you making all these plans for yourself, not including God, that's just arrogant. And it's not going to lead anywhere good. Why does he connect that looking at the future is arrogant? We might think, well, looking at the future, planning, and making goals in the back. I'm not saying that, right? Luke 14, 28 says this. It says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first, count the cost, whether he has enough to finish? What is that? That's making a plan, right? This is the words of Jesus. Jesus is teaching his disciples and his followers this in this instance. He's saying, make, it's okay to make a plan. He even says, I tell you to make a plan. It's good. James isn't talking about just making a plan and making sure things are checked off and you're ready for certain things and having goals. It's not what James is talking about. James is being tied up so much in your plans that you don't leave room for Jesus. Being so tied up in your future concerns, your future worries, your future ideas, your future goals, that you forget to make room for Jesus. Amen. It's not about the making plans. I'm a planner. God knows it, right? I get, I plan, I try to, I, I plan too much. I sink into this place sometimes where I'm so caught up in planning for the future, even ministry stuff. I was telling one of y'all the other day, I get too caught up planning ministry stuff that I forget about the Jesus part sometimes. It's like we got, you know, we got Easter coming up, and then we got VBS coming up, and then oh, back to school bash will be after that, and then we got to worry about Christmas again. And I get thinking about all this stuff, right? And I forget, oh wait, it's still Sunday. And we still get to worship the Lord, and we right, we do that. I'm a planner, so I'm 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 relate with you. Don't think I'm saying it. I'm a planner, and I sink into this place sometimes, but it's not good. It's not always good. Why is planning not always good? Because sometimes, what happens is we say, "I will do this, and I will go here, and I will try this, and I will succeed, and I will do great, and I will be great." and I will be worthy, and I will be awesome because I did this, and I planned for this, and it went the way I wanted it to, and that's where the arrogance comes from. We make these plans. And guess what? Sometimes, because we're the creation of God, right? Some of the things we do turns out right. Even whenever we're not listening to God. Sometimes you may do something that might have a good result. Maybe in the long term, maybe in the short term, that might have a good result. You're like, oh, look at me. See what I did? We all have kids, or have had kids, or have nieces or nephews, right? Harper's got to where she can actually build now, right? She doesn't, used to, she just tore down the towers. Now she actually builds them sometimes, right? 
So she'll build them and then she'll step out and be like, mine. And she'll be so proud in what she made. Right? And that's great for a kid. But as an adult, sometimes we sink into that place where we do something. It goes off well. And we're like, man, I did okay. I did all right with that. That worked out pretty good. Pastor said that I shouldn't have done that, but look. The Bible says maybe I shouldn't have done that, but look. The results speak for themselves. I did pretty, pretty good on my own. And that arrogance begins to sink in that I can do this. I can do this. If I plan enough, if I think far enough ahead, if I try to account for everything, and I put in the work beforehand, and I do this and I do that, I can do this on my own. And like I said, you might have a few successes here and there. A broke clock is what? Right twice a day. You know? But we need to understand that the arrogance, he's talking about where is God, where is Christ in this place? And arrogance, when we get too tied up in our plans and our goals, our focus shifts from us, or shifts to us, from God. Because we're like, what do I want? Where do I want to take this? Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? How do I want this to end? How do I want this to go? How do I want this to work? Not what does God want. Because if you're making a plan, guess what? You have to make decisions. And say, well, if I do this, after I do this, I'm going to 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 do this. And it's about I, 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 I. What will I do? What I can do. What I'm going to do. What I want to do. He's not saying that planning's bad and that's sinful, but he's saying getting so tied up in it that it creates arrogance, pride thinking that you are equal to or greater than God. That's the sin. When we get too caught up in our future, in our plan, in our goals, in our aspirations, in our dreams, when we take God out of it, guess what? Then it just all has become about us. And that is the definition of being arrogant. Being arrogant means to be self-important. Self-important. And if we're honest, a lot of times in a lot of seasons in our life, we've been very important to ourselves. We've been very important to our plans, to our goals, what we think is right, what we think we should do, how we think things should go, and it's all about us. Man. But I love how he, he kind of ends this, how he kind of ends this, this scripture here. He talks about missed good things, the missed good things in our life. So just think about that for just a minute. So let's read the scripture again. Let's read it all in its totality. So he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him... Who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. This verse isn't a tagline that's underlined here. That James is just like, I'm just going to throw this in here at the end of this place. You know, I'm just going to throw this in here, random change. No, it says therefore. Therefore's meaning means because of all of this, this is what you need to take away. 
This is what you need to think about. This is what you need to realize. That because of this, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. What's he saying? What's the, the connection he's making? Why is he talking about doing good? And after he, he just got through talking about the future and all this stuff, why does he shift to talk about good? Because when you get so tied up in making plans for your future on what you think should be done and how you think things should go, you miss the opportunities to do good in the present. You ever been so caught up about thinking something that's going to happen the next day or a couple weeks down the road that you don't even realize you got home and were driving? That you're just thinking about what you want and what your dreams are and your wife's been having a conversation for 30 minutes and you finally come to after you're thinking about that new lawnmower you want to get in the future and you're like, oh no! Because you just were oblivious to what was going on in the present because you were so tied up in what you wanted to happen in the future. And we do that. That God provides opportunities and shows us that He desires for us to do good and we're too caught up in the future and making way for our plans to come to fruition that we forget that God wants us to do good right now. What James is saying, if you get so caught up thinking about doing this and doing that and making your plans and setting your goals that you're just, this is what's going to happen no matter what, I and mean, then God says this is something good that you want to do, and you're, if you prioritize your plans and your future, you're going to avoid that. You're going to walk away from the good that He desires you to do. You're not going to follow in His footsteps. You're not going to be obedient to Him. You're not going to do what He asks you to do because you're too tied up in your plans for the future and your ideas of how things should be. In other words, we spend more of our time or all of our time making sure our plan is working out instead of making sure God's plan is working out. One more time. We spend all of our time making sure our plan works out that we don't have any time to make sure God's plan is working out. Yeah, working late a couple of days a week whenever the boss asks you to might help you get that promotion, right? But what if God was wanting you to do something with that, those times that He desires for you to do? The good that He wanted you to do. Your plan versus His plan. Yeah, we talk, you know, we might have the coworker, we might have somebody, you know, we're, we're younger or whatever or not, and there's somebody we want to have a relationship with. We want to get to know, we want to, you know, have, you know be a boyfriend, girlfriend, marry one day, whatnot. And we get the opportunity to be with them, but there's also that other person. That other student or that other co-worker that's just had a bad week, right? And the Holy Ghost says, go talk to them. But you're like, but I want this in my life. I want this relationship. I want to get to know this person. I want to get too close to them. And he says, but this person needs me. And he says, you know to do good. But you do it not. To him it is a sin. How many times in our life have we been to show the Holy Spirit of God has just compelled us and said, go do the work of God. Be obedient to me. Follow me. Do what I ask you to. But our plan said otherwise. We said, that just don't jive with what I've got going on, Lord. That just don't get me to where I want to be, Lord. How does that help me have a marriage? How does that help me have children? How does that help me do better with my life? Have a better career? Have a better future? How does that help me? And he says, it don't matter. If you know to do good and you don't do it, to him it is a sin. We get so tied up in our plans of what we want for the future, what we desire for the future, what flesh wants, what we want, that we ignore the good that God desires for us to do in the present. And he goes on. Right? Go back here. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What's he saying basically there? He's saying, you're planning your life away. 
and you're spending your whole life planning and never doing anything. Always planning to do something better tomorrow when you could have just done good today. Always planning for a better future when you could have done good right now. Always planning for a better life in another period of your, of your history, of your story. When you're older, when things are better, when you're richer, when you've got more. When God says, do good now. Do good today. What's the saying? A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. We can plan all we want to. And we can plan to do good. And we can plan to do great things. And leave God out of it. And it not make a, a difference in anything. But if we listen to the still small voice of God in the present and do the good that He wants us to in the present and don't ignore those opportunities, we will do more good that way than we ever will with our own plans and our own workings and our own thoughts and ideas because we've left out God. He says, your life is like a vapor. It appears for a minute, for a moment, for a little bit. and goes away. What's he saying? He's saying, your life is too short to spend it working on planning for tomorrow when you should do what God has told you to today. And we fall into this place of getting so caught up in planning and thinking and making our plan work and doing what we need, think we need to do to make our plan to come to fruition, for our desires to come about, for our dreams to be fulfilled, for those things to happen, that we don't do the good that God desires and has put in front of us today. Which one of you can guarantee that tomorrow is promised? Not a one. That's what Scripture tells us, right? Not a one of us can guarantee that we'll have the opportunity to witness to somebody tomorrow, to tell them about Jesus tomorrow, to show the love of God tomorrow to be the hands and feet of Jesus tomorrow, to make plans to do something outstanding tomorrow. So if God gives you the opportunity to do something today, do it. It's that simple. Do it. I love what Matthew 6, 33 and 34, as we kind of wind down. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the second time that we've drawn a direct correlation to what Jesus taught and then James going and expounding upon it and teaching it to the Jews. This is exactly what James is saying. He's saying, seek and do what God wants you to do. Do that. Do that thing first. Make that the priority. Make that the thing that you do when the opportunity presents itself, when you get the opportunity to do it, when the Holy Spirit moves you to do it, when He compels you to do it, when He calls on you to do it, when He asks you to do it, do it. And then let everything else come about the way that God desires for it to be. I'm going to be honest with you. When you follow Christ, um, when you follow God, when you do what He wants you to do today, more often than not, it's not going to end up taking you where you want it to be in the future. That's the reality. But what it also is, is a blessing. Because more often than not, if I, when I end up, if I ever even end up where I expected and want it to be, it's not what I thought it would be. And it's not what God wanted for me. And it's not how God wanted it for me. So yeah, you can focus all your life on making your plans work. And you might one day arrive there. 
You might desire to be a high influential person in your workplace and you might get there and it not be what you thought it would be. You might go and you might want to have a relationship with this specific person and you do everything you can to woo them and to win them no matter how much the Holy Ghost says that's not what He wants you, no matter how much the Bible tells you that's not the relationship that's good for you, no matter how much God dealing with you says, hey, that's not what I need, and you get that. And you get to that place. And you realize that's not the relationship I should have had in the first place because I ignored the will of God. You might go and you might do and you might get the thing that you've wished for, that you've asked for because you scorned God at every turn and you turned your back on Him at every place you could and you ignored His will and you ignored His presence and you get there and it's nothing like you expected or hoped or dreamed. Adam and Eve took the fruit and they were like God because they knew the difference between good and evil. They knew that now. They understood that. They saw the pain and the suffering and the death that God had done everything to shield them from. They were like God. And they got what they wanted. And they got what they sought. And they got the future that they they got to the what they wanted in the future, but it wasn't the future that they hoped to have. And we'll end up in that same place. But if you follow God and do what He tells you to today, be obedient to Him today. Do the good that is in front of you today. It won't take you where you want to go usually. It'll get you where God wants you to be. And you ask anybody who's been through it, who's walked those paths, who's sought what they wanted and then surrendered to God, we can attest and testify to the fact that it is a better place to be in the will of God and obedient to God, doing what God has desired for us to do than to pursue my own things and obtain it and still feel empty, and still feel broken, and still feel hopeless, and still chase after something else when I get it. But we can have hope and peace through Christ Jesus by doing what He has set in front of us. By doing what He has set in front of us. Why are there so many Christians that are sad, that are disappointed, that are frustrated, that are aggravated, that have just left the church, that think they don't need the church? It's because they pursued their own thing. They had their own goals, their own ideas, their own aspirations. They ignored God and they pursued their own thing. And it led to nowhere that God wanted them to be. Go where God wants you to be. Follow Him. Listen to Him. Be obedient to Him. Do what He asks you to do. Do good. Do good. Know what He wants you to do. And do good. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit doesn't just leave us to our own whims and wiles and what we want. That it directs us and it instructs us. The Bible tells us that Jesus and God, they know it all, right? And they've seen the beginning and the end. And the thing is, I make plans and I do it blind. God makes plans and He does it with a, from a clear point of view. So whose plans should I trust? Whose future should I desire for myself? Whose future should I desire for my child? Whose future should we desire for the church? Whose future should we desire for the community? The ones that are blinded or the one that can see? Let's follow the one that can see the Bible says one place, when the blind leads the blind, what happens? They all fall in the ditch. And if you just follow my plans because I'm, I'm Jacob, don't follow my plans because of that. Follow me because you trust that I'm doing the will of God. If you're following somebody else, right, they're going to be blinded too. I'm going to be blinded. Follow God. Do what He has called you to do. Be obedient to what He has asked you to do. Do good. Do good. Young or old, 
no matter how much life that you have left, you might think I've got weeks, you might think I've got months, years, whatever. Let's not wait until we get to a point where we can't do any good to realize that we should have been trying to do good the whole time. I don't know very many people. And I've, I stood at bedsides and I've talked to people that are about to die, that are in the old age, whatever. I, mean. I don't know very many people who say, I wish I would have planned more. I, I wish I would have planned more. They say, I wish I would have done more. Right? I wish I would have, when you're talking to Christians, it's, I, I wish I would have served more. I wish I would have talked to more people about Jesus. I wish I would have sacrificed more. I wish I would have been obedient more. Let's do the good while we can do it. The Bible says, and we'll close with this. The Bible says there come a knot when no man can work. There comes a time, a season in our lives when we're not able to do good anymore. Because we can't do anything. Right? But while we can do good, do good. Don't just get caught up in what you want and the future that you want, making sure that works out. Do what God has laid before us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. And he's talking about he's talking about provisions, he's talking about clothing, raiment, all what, what we need and everything. He says, But seek God first, kingdom of God first, his righteousness. All those other things will be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. It's sufficient for the days, its own trouble. We've got enough good that we can do today. Enough things that God has called us to do today. What He's asked us to do. What He's compelled us to do. What He's sent us to do. What He's commanded us to do. So do good today. Amen. And that will lead us to a a faithful future. A future that God desires for us. Might not be the one you planned from since you were a child and you wrote stories about it and wrote your dreams about it and everything. But it will lead you to where God wants you to be. And the future that He wants you to have. And make you into the people, the man, the woman, boy, girl, whatever, that He desires you to be. So let's do the good that He has asked us to do. Amen. Put away our arrogance. Put away that we think we know everything. That our plans more important. That our dreams are more important. That our thoughts are more important. Put that all away. You can't do it on your own anyway. If you would even got close to it, you'd realize it's not what you wanted. It's not what you hoped for. It's not what you dreamed of. It's just empty promises and broken dreams. What the devil offers, right? But be obedient to God. And see where that leads you. Trust the one that can see it all, not the self that's blinded and can't see. Amen. I pray that we 